to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me, I have... Bizdira, Kit, Bria, Dundum, and Flick. Mm, it was like the law and order like sound. That. Did you no, get it? It wasn't like a word, it. and it was kind of a funny joke, so I'll let it slide. Last week, uh... the party made their opening remarks, heard testimony from a couple of community members, and answered opposing counsel's first volley of questions in the trial of the century. Now it's our adventurer's turn to lob some questions out based on what they've heard so far. What questions will the party ask? Who else will step forward to speak? And what will the final verdict be? Let's find out. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hi. How exciting. I'm ready. I think we should talk for just a Let's. Let's... Hi, hello. Let's hi. check in, breathe, and breathe. For a second? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Should we you do know, some breathing it's... exercises for a second? Just breathe <laughs> deep into the belly, expand the stomach. <laughs> They're all doing it, y'all. They're all doing it together. They really also, are. They're all doing it. I've been teaching Cheeky this. When she gets really overwhelmed, I've been saying, okay, will you take a deep breath with mommy? And she goes, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> It's like oh. um, uh, Amy Poehler in Parks and Rec when she's like, "Okay, t- deep breath in." She goes, yeah. <laughs> "She goes." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would I love it. put me into a panic attack. But you know. I, yeah, it's a hard same. But yeah, <laughs> well, the tension is palpable and could be cut with a dull butter knife. So, do we want to banter anymore? Or? Not just a butter knife, a dull one. Uh, no, a banter. dull one. A doll like for one. a doll, like Aww. a very tiny little butter knife. Little tiny, <laughs> a little tiny. Okay, butter now knife. I'm just imagining a horrifying porcelain doll holding a knife. <laughs> oh, so we no. should. Yep. And oh, on that note, the dolls. <laughs> back to the trial. Dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so the opposing counsel has just sat down after a fairly light first round of questioning uh, for you oh, all. Oh, that was fairly on... light. I guess it was. Oh, no. <laughs> they're like, they're like, like, tell us about your family and your head exploded. Yeah, I went. <laughs> uh, but it is now all eyes are on y'all's table now. So it is your turn for your first round of questioning, which you will uh, address to opposing counsel, who will answer to the best of their ability. Who's up with our first question first? I first. I think Kit first might again. ask all of them because she has noted what we're asking. Oh, um, oh. No, I don't think that's. I don't know. Can't about I just that? remind you all what the questions were and we can split them up? Mm, well, in maybe that case, for those well, of us who have a bit of a higher charisma. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, maybe the plus zero charisma girl shouldn't be the one doing this right now. I don't know what All you right, mean. I will start. Okay, so Bria's going to stand up and she's going to say, how are your citizens taught the history of this world and who are the gatekeepers of your education? Opposing counsel nods uh, and he says, all of our school-age children... Their schooling includes a uh, curriculum on the history of our civilization. Uh, They are taught uh, the basics of where we came from, how the world below was begun. Uh, They are taught why the flight below ground happened, and that our ancestors, the Arcanists, made a plan for us to survive not just that return of the beast, but all future ones as well. Uh, Who are they taught by? They are taught by their teachers. Any citizen who feels the call
calling to pass knowledge along to future generations, uh, is able to be trained and prepared and certified uh, to be a an instructor, an educator, a teacher. If this is a true democracy, why are there sections of it? Like the question for Dave. everyone knows mm-hmm. that there is a restricted section. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so if this is a true democracy that relies on an educated populace, why are there restricted sections of information that cannot be accessed by the populace? Totally unruffled, opposing counsel nods and says, um, it has been found that the well-being of community members is increased. Their, uh, their quality of life is increased. If things that are from the before times, things that are outside of their existence are, are simply uh, kept locked away, to be quite frank. The world above the surface until your arrival was in many ways as real as a dream or a fable or a fairy tale. There was no interaction with it. It may as well have not existed. And so the things that are kept in the restricted section of their library, which it bears mentioning that though it is restricted, access to it is not always forbidden. Requests can be made in special circumstances to access restricted documents. But these documents are kept there because while there might be value in them that scholars can decipher, there is no need for the general populace to be concerned with a place in the world that should have no bearing on existence. It seems that the general populace is not aware of... uh, I'm so scared to get anyone in trouble. Could I maybe... Could Flick maybe look around and make an insight check and look at the crowd around? Maybe at the... Especially at the mention of the general public doesn't really need this information. Uh, sure. Um, that's a crit. (laughs) So that's a 29. I mean, no one seems offended by it if that's what you're looking for. I think that is what I'm looking for. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, if there... There are people are nodding along. It is that is clearly not a contentious statement in their opinion. All right. In in these histories that have been taught, it doesn't seem to me that it's a full history of some of the things that we have learned in other portions of this world. Um, and I'll say, for example, this banner that appeared um, and the words on it, which you so very clearly remember from your opening argument, that there have been scare tactics throughout this world that we have learned of throughout all of the different islands that we have been to that seem to have tracked throughout these centuries that this has happened. Why would this not be information that, uh, who decides what belongs in the restricted section? Who decides what the, what the well-being is and who determines the well-being of your populace? If it's going to be a true democracy, then why is it not, why is information not readily available to all of your populace? Drive it home, baby. The, the post of the head librarian uh, does not change often, uh, but the other scholars involved in that decision-making rotate on a fairly regular basis. Do we feel like, I mean, I don't feel like we're getting anywhere with this. Bizdira will write on the little sheet, what about the cult? And the, keep going with the, the scare tactics. At that answer, Flick will stand up 
quite confidently and say, um, was the opposing council aware of past threats from pro-beast cults going back as far as before uh, this society was created? That is a good question. Let's find out. Hey, I get to roll a die. Yay! The opposing council was, in fact, aware of them. He was. So uh, he will say yes. In fact, they were aware. And the general populace? He says they cannot uh, and should not speculate as to what each as to what each individual citizen knows and is aware of. But for the most part, uh, no, most of the citizens uh, were not aware of the details of these particular groups that you have just now shared with the majority of the populace. Do you not think it's important that you're, in keeping your people safe, letting them in on the knowledge that there are groups out there that will try to use fear against them as a way to get their end goal? Do you not think that it's important for people to understand that there is the potential for fear which we've seen since we've been here with the banner that was placed. And opposing counsel nods and says, no, they do not. And then I'll say, if you're a society that prides yourself on everyone being given a voice and everyone having an opinion, how can there be information that's restricted? He will say, it is clear to them that you all have very specific ideas about the way a society should be run. And that is laudable. You are community-minded. In this community, there are individuals who are tasked with knowing what needs to be known at any given moment. And there are things that the entire populace is informed of. This is the way of our society. And the decision-making has been done in this way for a millennium. And I'm going to gesture to the room and say, does everyone here get a vote in this trial? Uh, and he says, yes, they do. Then they should be aware of all of the facts of the trial. Then should they not be aware of all the facts of the trial? He says, uh, yes, that is why they are present for this trial. Bazir would like to stand up again and say, um, through a lot of the things that we have learned one of the things has been about uh, these pro-beast cults and secret societies. How can anyone here be certain that the people behind keeping some things quiet and restricted as far as the history goes are not a part of these cults? Good job, Biz. He looks a little ruffled at that and says, there is no indication that their scholarly individuals that make these decisions have been infiltrated by these cults which you speak of. There is no evidence of that, nor has there been for a thousand years. Uh, I would beg to differ on the evidence because the banner is clear evidence that there is a pro-beast organization working currently within the city using fear to keep the populace here in check. I find that fascinating. What evidence have you that this cult has infiltrated our scholarly circles? Not necessarily saying it's the scholarly ah, circles. As I thought, have you more questions for this round? Yeah, let's keep going. We were sticking on the one that was not as important to us. <laughs> he, he definitely wants you to move on from this, too. <laughs> he or you. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, he. I Inside wonder chat? why he wants us to keep away from the ideas of cults. All right, so Kit will stand up. You spoke briefly about our ideas of how a society should be run and praised us for being community-minded. My question for you about this society is, 
Drawing from your opening speech, do you think it is a laudable decision to put one's self-interest in front of the good of the community? He actually lets out a small laugh, like he's so startled and surprised by the question. He says, uh, no, no, they absolutely do not. It is uh, a pillar of our community that all that is done is done for the good of all. Well, in that case, why are you so quick to praise your ancestors who had their homes ravaged and left their homes and their loved ones to hide rather than for the good of the community, stay and fight? The ancestor founders of the world below, in fact, made the most laudable and difficult decision of all. The four of you seem very taken with history, and so you must know, as they do, that for thousands of years, nothing could stop the beast when it awoke. And this, as far as the ancestor founders were aware, had always been true. To stay and fight a useless, hopeless battle is not laudable. Saving the future of a civilization, preserving what knowledge and learning they could, allowing for civilization to not be wiped clean, and in the process, sacrificing some of those who they knew and loved and lived with and and laughed with, was the greatest sacrifice of all. They left their world behind to burn because they could not save it. Are you aware that on the surface there are organizations that have in fact managed to save pieces of their history, that those have survived the test of time? Let's find out if he was aware of that. I hope he's not. I hope he crit fails. Uh, Oh, interesting. Uh, He's sort of aware of that. So uh, he says um, they are aware that there are sentient creatures that inhabit the surface, though uh, though I don't imagine their societies are uh, a match for the learning and progress that we have been able to preserve here below. Well, seeing as you've never been to the surface, I will say that based on our journeys, in fact, there are many advanced societies above above you on the surface. And as I said, several of them have managed to hold on to their histories and maintain that knowledge. In which case, I would argue that would is it not possible that had your ancestors decided to stay above uh, the surface and lend their thoughts, lend their minds to solving the problem of the beast, preventing the beast from ever coming back, that perhaps uh, there could have been a greater good done in that. But instead... It seems to me that you have a society that was founded on self-interest. And I'm going to sit down. Great. Uh, why don't you all make uh, wisdom insight checks? Yes. Uh, Bizdira. 15. Flick. 24. Kit. Uh, Kit was a little riled up. Uh, that was only a 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, really good. Bria. 19. Okay, so... As Kit sits, the rest of you are taking the temperature of the room. Uh, And for the most part, it it remains much unchanged. People are nodding along, sort of somewhat passively nodding like they're taking it in. There are some folks who who seem to take issue (laughs) with the calling out of their venerated ancestors. And for better or worse... One of those people seems to be opposing counsel. Uh, so I am while it zero mi- surprised. <laughs> yeah, 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 
yeah, yeah. So, so the three of you sort of realize that, you know, while while that line of questioning and argument might lose some support from the gallery, it has also flustered your opponent here in the ring, as it were. Uh, so, you know, a tool to be used with caution, but definitely not necessarily an all bad tool. Sure. Okay, we have one more question in this section. Okay. Yeah, I, I think after noticing this, Flick will rise one more time from his seat and say, well, you know, I, uh, you seem to, uh, you've noted that we tend to uh, like to mention history, but let's talk about the future. Uh, How does the opposing council plan to protect their fellow citizens from the threats that are already here. The banner, the symbols upon the, the, uh, the K, what are they called? K fishers. The, the symbols found upon the K fishers shells. What, what do you, what do you say to that? Do we, I don't know. I, that, did we not mention that? About Sorry. The shells. <laughs> Oops. Then, uh, you, the banner, what have you, uh, what do you say to that? I, I mean, we can mention it. We just hasn't you come did. up yet. You said something sure. about the cave fishers that I, I think thought we talked be, about, like, yeah. they were acting strangely. I, oh, yeah. yes. I said they were acting strangely. I did not mention the, f- we, we basically, we haven't given them because I'm saving it for the closing argument. Sure, that's <laughs> it. Then, then, but I think there's no reason not to mention it. If you think it's going to be, uh, helpful to your argument, go for it. Well, I, I think, uh, we have have uh how do you plan to protect your citizen your fellow citizens from the threats that are already here the banner and um you know etc he says um well first they would like to make very clear that uh they will not alone be protecting the citizenry it will be the efforts of all citizens uh, to protect our society it should be stated uh in terms of protecting them from uh whoever hung the banner Well, by winning this case, so that they may continue to do as they have done and as the banner instructed, they shall remain alive by remaining silent and uninvolved. Beyond that, there is no indication that should the beast return, it would be able to find world below. So they have no reason to believe that uh, the beast will be a direct threat. And there are discussions playing out now uh, to determine what the best way forward to avoid a demonic incursion is. Uh, Right now, the most logical thing to do would be to close off all intra-island travel so that devils from the northern island cannot make it here to the east. It seems that our problems come exclusively from outsiders, so... To be clear, your plan, and I assume the the plan of the leaders of this society, is to play into the fear-mongering rhetoric of these cults, as displayed by the banner, and ignore the fact? Besides closing the borders, closing the tunnels, what have you. That's your plan? Yes. They were able to infiltrate the Northern Island. You said that they won't be able to get to you, but they will. They will continue to monitor the various ways to get from the surface to the world below and secure them further as is necessary. The dangers have crept into the very ground around you, into the earth around you. There is no protection anymore. I'm truly curious. You have teleportation magics in this society. What makes you think that the devils and those working with them don't have magics that could bring them directly here. If you will forgive 
a question with a question. If you will forgive an answer that is yet another question, what makes you believe that we do not also have magics that can prohibit teleportation? I mean, that's a fair answer. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I would say, uh, well, You know actually... what? Opposing counsel hears that and sort of nods appreciatively and says, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> I think we're ready to move on, yes? I love that ending with Viz's thing anyways. Yeah, okay. So that question series has closed. It is now a a couple of other people hop up from the gallery uh, and come forward. The first one uh, is uh, is another gnome. And uh, this gnome steps forward and says, I would just like to point out that there is a very good chance that at least one of these four is not being honest about who they are. I was in the square just the other day and saw her take her true form as a horrifying furred beast with a maw full of gigantic flesh-rending teeth. If they cannot appear in their true form, how are they to believe a word that they say? And he sits down. Next up, a familiar face has come down the aisle to have a word with the assembly. The tinkerer steps up and begins to speak. Okay, so first things first, obviously the visitors are not guilty. That doesn't need clarifying. As for the community members, it comes down to semantics. Do the words of the community's law state that the word of the law applies outside the domain of the community? If they, oh, I don't know, left for the surface and broke a law there, does the community have jurisdiction to punish them? Can you break a law of one land in another land, so mean? If the members of the community that consorted with surface dwellers did so on the surface, outside the jurisdiction of the community, then are they really guilty of anything? There's sort of a a moment of stunned, confused, thoughtful silence, and... Uh, another, uh, uh, dwarf this time comes forward. She says, Well, uh, hello, everyone. They are honored to be the parent of a student in a class that is taught by someone who has had contact with these four. And they don't claim to understand all of these issues about the surface and, and dangers from above and below. And, and quite frankly, their biggest concern is raising their child right. And all that they have to say today is that after one of these four visited their child's classroom, their child came home with such questions, with such curiosity. They have just been reading every fairy tale and story and history book they could get their hands on, asking questions left and right. And quite frankly, if that is what opening up to the surface means, if it means their children are curious again about things we don't understand, then they are all for it. And she goes and sits back down. I'm gonna give Liara a little smile. I hate to speak for TK, but I feel like she probably blushes. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, those were the speakers for this little round. It is now over to opposing counsel for their final question session. I don't remember. Did we get to respond to them last time before? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you're correct. You did. You did. Yes. 
so there can be responses to that. Opposing counsel will start uh, and will say... Um, they very much appreciate the importance of curiosity, academic interest, of study. Of course they do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mumble to my friends as quietly as possible and be like, yeah, whatever's not in the restricted section. <laughs> <laughs> and they are thrilled that this community member's child has discovered this academic curiosity. They think, however, that to claim that in the absence of surface dwellers and interaction with the surface, there cannot be intellectual curiosity. Their scholars have existed for a thousand years without contact with the surface and have made some of the most incredible strides in magic and technology and magical technology without interference from or curiosity in the surface. It seems to them that though it is exciting that this youngster has this curiosity, curiosity is not only brought from the surface. They would also like to state that though they appreciate the concern of the other community member who spoke, they do not believe for the record that any of the defendant's true form is that of a horrifying furred beast with long teeth, but rather uh, an optional form that they use when they battle the various and sundry dangers of the surface. Which, of course, we haven't here below. And <laughs> I don't want to scare them. <laughs> I'm not going to... I don't know. She turns into a dire wolf and everyone screams no, and runs. No, no, no. Turn into a bunny rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look at the sharp boy deep. I don't even think you need to transform. Yeah. You could agree no, with No, I'm not him. going yeah. to. I, I was kidding. I didn't think she was going to transform. No, yeah. that, it's, it's fully a joke. <laughs> I mean, if he hadn't said anything, then maybe I would have had to, but... <laughs> so, uh, sure, Kit will stand up and say, I thank opposing counsel for their words. In fact, that is exactly how my magics work. I do have the option uh, for limited periods of time to transform into various creatures and beasts. Uh, In fact, several of your community members have seen me do so as I have uh, gotten to know them and learn about your society. And and perhaps to opposing counsel's surprise, I have in fact uh, used this magic in order to protect one of your citizens from a uh, anomaly that uh, was found below that I believe has to do with the magics of the surface. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Any other statements based on those? uh, Yes, Bazira. Bazira would like to stand up and say, um, I am happy to hear about the, um, the parent of the curious child because I think that there is a lot of importance in curiosity and asking questions and searching out your own information. And I think that having access to a wider scope of information rather than just what you've been uh, raised with. So talking to people like us who are from the outside world, having experiences of these communications with people that have been raised and lived a very different life from you can really make you think in different ways and can make you look at things differently. And if you have the opportunity to meet people 
and other creatures that have opposing views of you, that have a different reality, but that can sit and have a proper discussion. I think that that is invaluable to society as a whole to have these connections and have your like it it makes you think deeply about life about the world around you i'm gonna give her a little clap under the desk and then i'm gonna write on our piece of paper except for the orcs and the mage ascendant smiley face and then i'm gonna cross it out very quickly (laughs) really good all right if you uh if you Piped up during this statement section. Go ahead and make me a charisma persuasion check, please. Uh, Bizdira. Ten. Okay. Kit. Eighteen. All right. Great. Uh, let me mark that. Okay. Hey, everybody. Your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands here with a few mid-show announcements. First of all, we stand with Black Lives Matter and our black siblings fighting for justice. Arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. Second of all, if you're enjoying the episode so far, it would be Promethean, sort of, I guess, except we told you to do it, so is it Promethean? It doesn't matter. If you could pop on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get our podcast from, and leave us a rating and a review. We'll always read five-star reviews on the air as soon as we're able, and the more of them we get, the more visible the show becomes, and the more people we get to listen. It doesn't have to take more than just a few seconds, and it really does help us out a ton. We also want to remind everyone that we do, of course, still have our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com com slash dnd last refuge to get access to all kinds of cool patron perks like early access to certain episodes character sheets for the pcs and much more in addition by supporting our patreon you'll also be supporting multiple other content creators across the patreon sphere via our patreon at forward program which is always expanding more information on the program and a list of the ever expanding creators that we're patronizing are available on our patreon page Right now, I want to take a minute to recognize some of our awesome patrons and thank them for their support. Thank you to our Heralds of Denier, Shimmy Gangot, Tanya, and Sir Mox the Magnificent, to our honorary party member, Matthew Allen, and to our Shimmer Scale tribe leaders, Eugenio, Eliyahu of Merck Grove, Lisa Diane Mercado Etheridge, and Misty. If you want to get shoutouts on the show and much, much more, hop on over to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge and become a patron today. As usual, we also want to remind you about our partnership with Codename Entertainment and Idol Champions of the Forgotten realms check out the game at codenameentertainment.com and next time you boot it up to play be sure to use our gold chess code that you can find in our episode notes for free items and power-ups in your game we get a new code every week so be sure to redeem each one before it expires we want to thank BattleBards, scott buckley and kevin mcleod for the music you hear on our show you can find their collections at battlebards.com scottbuckley.com.au and in comptech.filmmusic.io respectively as always you can also check out the episode notes to find specific track names, artist names, and links. If you ever get adventures, character options, new monsters, or anything at all from the DMs Guild or from any of the drive through family of websites, be sure to use our affiliate links found on our website and in the episode notes when you shop there so that TLR gets a portion of your purchase. It's like Amazon Smile, but make it D&D. Mixed Messages is now a three-week-old podcast by Bree Graham and Emily Madigan, two brilliant mixed women trying to navigate the complexities of living between multiple communities in these divided times. They are absolutely brilliant. Last week, episode three was a beautiful discussion about what it means to be Latine and Afro-Latine in America right now with a couple of phenomenal guests who I also happen to know. Really, they are having important, interesting 
smart, funny conversations, and you should check them out. They drop new episodes every Monday. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at Mixed Message Pod. That's message singular, so no S. Uh, or you can go to their website, mixedmessagespod.com. So that one is with the S. Go ahead and check them out. Hit the subscribe button and maybe even review them too. We want to thank D&D Beyond for their support of our podcast and for being generally amazing in every way possible. If you aren't already a D&D Beyond fan and user, go check out their services at dndbeyond.com. You won't regret it. Quick reminder, of course, that we do still have our merch store. Go to bit.ly slash TLR merch store to check out the t-shirts, buttons, drink koozies, and more that we've got available. And once you receive your items, please, please tag us on social media in pictures with them because we want to see how awesome they look out in the wild. And finally, a reminder about our belated third anniversary giveaway that we kicked off last week. So here's the breakdown. This year, we decided to celebrate some absolutely phenomenal artists by commissioning pieces from them, each depicting one of their personal favorite moments from the history of our show. Let me tell you, they did not disappoint. As some of you already know, last week, we shared our first commissioned piece, which was by Nat Rose, and Nat portrayed Flick's consecration moment in the temple. It is such a stunning piece. If you haven't gotten a chance to see it, go find it on our socials. And while you're there, get your name into Frosty's hat for the chance of winning one of our four thrilling prize bundles, which contain products from WizKids, Wormwood Gaming, Imperial Forge, Roll20, and more, by reposting that piece on your social media. Now, be sure to tag both us, TLR, and the artist so that your entry will be counted. I'm going to say that again. In order for your entry to be counted, you must tag both TLR and the artist when you repost the art. If you do not tag both, we will not be able to count that as an entry in the giveaway, and we don't want any of you missing out on any of your multiple chances to enter and win these awesome prizes. And yes, multiple platforms means multiple entries, so repost away on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and let the world know you love these talented folks just as much as we do. New pieces are going to be released weekly on Thursdays, which means you get to see our second awesome commission piece tomorrow, and you, listeners, will have until 11.59pm Pacific on Wednesday, September 23rd to get your reposts counted for our drawing on September 24th. Full details on rules and prizes and everything else we've got for you, head to our Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook where you can find more information. We're so excited to celebrate what has been a truly wonderful three years on the airways with our talented artist friends and, most importantly, with all of you. Okay, I think that's all the announcements that we've got for you this week. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, and happy gaming, y'all. On to the second and final set of questions before closing statements. Opposing counsel stands and says, This has all been very enlightening. Might they ask one of you all to regale us briefly with some details about one of these advanced surface societies? Bria. Me? Talk about the Guardians. You're the one who learned all the history with them. Oh. Okay, so yeah, I was uh, I was also thinking of not that we would say what happened there, but Sylphson itself, um, which maybe I'll touch on and I'll say we have run across many, um, including one that uh, is built entirely upon magical objects, the creation of them, uh, the keeping of them. Their society is built upon that. Um, but I spent a considerable amount of time not pregnant, um, hanging out with the guardians. <laughs> 
And honestly, it's been so long that I don't remember a whole lot of it. So I will, I'll, I'll give the gist of I've spent this amount of time with a society that, correct me if I'm wrong, but has been the same amount of time. This, as far as their histories go, those thousand, the thousand years, yeah? Yeah, I mean, their origins are, the origins of the Guardians in their histories is a, is a little more murky than the start of the world below, but mm-hmm. it must have been fairly close to, uh, if not while the Beast was around, like shortly after it went back to sleep, since their purpose was to protect these Arcania. Okay. The fact. Yeah. And then I'll also mention, um, since he had said at the beginning, it, since it didn't seem like they really understood what the Arcania was about and all of that, how advanced uh, the development of the Arcania was and the magics were, um, even some things that we didn't even understand on our side, because uh, there was, you know... So, um, I'll mention those things. Okay. Uh, he will ask, uh, thank you. So, uh, in addition to these fascinating... Uh, societies. Do arcanists still exist on the surface? My pen is broken, so I can't answer your question. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so from, from the node that we were in, there were no arcanists left. And from what I understand of their histories, they almost sacrificed themselves in order to keep the beast from returning, in order to contain the beast. They were using their magics in order to try to contain it and to build a strong enough magic force to contain the beast. And did they succeed? As far as you are aware. Yes. In creating these nodes and and keeping the beast... I think this is right. Gosh, it's been six seasons. Uh, but I I think that the beast has not returned since they created these nodes, correct? Uh, that is correct. And opposing counsel says, uh, excellent. And now the beast threatens to return at approximately the millennial mark, which was generally, historically speaking, the amount of time between bestial returns. But that's fair enough. Moving on to a different line of questioning. What do you gain by reconfiguring the core principles of their society. I think to some degree we've already been making that argument that what we stand to gain is the same thing as what you stand to gain, a better protected world. Forgive them, they were being a bit more literal and concrete. What do you need from them that you will not be able to save their world with otherwise. We are only four people. Our goals and our values, our aspirations, the things we hope to accomplish, the lives we hope to save, all of that is good and well, but we can't do it alone. We need support. Of course, of course. And... Of course, the logical conclusion of that argument is that those quote-unquote advanced civilizations of the surface do not have the means to assist you in any appreciable way. What exactly is your intent uh, in terms of your plan to preserve this world should you be provided with the uh, person power that you require? First of all, uh, I think myself and all my uh, siblings would take issue with the idea that the surface doesn't have anything to provide. We are trying to build a coalition of everyone who lives on this world. 
If we stick to only the people on the surface, we are losing out on an entire society of people, people with ideas, with magics, with knowledge, knowledge that could help us save the world. And sure, perhaps we could take on the beast by ourselves with the friends we have on the surface, but the people down here could prove invaluable in that mission. I'm going to write on the piece of paper that, number one, they're already helping us uh, protect these nodes. Like, we're, we've already got, they, these societies are already helping us to protect them. Um, and then I'm also going to write on there, um, should their society members not be allowed to make a decision to protect themselves? Because right now the society is making the decision for them not to be allowed to protect themselves. I'm going to push Bria up and she says all the oh, things God. that she wrote on the paper. <laughs> right, and she talks about that. Um, so, but say, how big is this piece of paper we're passing so, around? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an easel, right? Yeah. yeah. We're writing very, very big. Everyone can read yeah. it. Yeah. So opposing counsel says, uh, hypothetically speaking, what if what if you don't receive the number of volunteers from their society that you feel you need? You are saying that it will be invaluable, that it will be immeasurably helpful, that it may even be necessary to have them participate in your crusades on the surface. And if they don't volunteer in high enough numbers, is it your intent to conscript? Uh, Bazira will stand up at this point and say, absolutely not. The folks that are sitting here with us today, the members of your society, decided that the sake of the entire society was more important than some of the rules. Now, they put their cells on the line. They risk banishment. They risk death because they felt that they needed to do something about that. We are not asking anyone to do anything that they are not comfortable doing. We are not asking anyone. We're not trying to set up a draft and say, you have to do this. We're asking the society and opposing counsel to allow the people that feel the need to stand up and fight for their lives and fight for the ability to live their lives however they see fit to do so. And I'll join her in standing if I wasn't still standing. Um, (laughs) And I'll say, look at the difference that only three people made in stopping us from consecrating the node. Imagine what more could do. One final question in, in this particular line of questioning. Once you have saved the world, as you intend to do. What then? I think that's for everyone else to decide, don't you? Apologies to answer a question with a question. Yes! (laughs) They nod and they say, very well, very well. Final question thread. Do you all have a beast in the world that you come from? Bazir's gonna write on the note, I mean... Not to that scale, but we have evil in the world. So we'll say no. <laughs> great. great, thank you. Yeah, that was supposed to be an easy one. Uh- <laughs> we don't know. There could be a beast hide in somewhere. As we all literally look at each other on Skype, we're like, do we? To- we, we have many. To there be- are many beasts. <laughs> to be fair, we don't even know what the beast on this world is. So how do we well, know if we don't point. actually have that's one? True. That's true. Yeah, that's where I was going to go if I was going to answer we that question. Those. Sure, we've got evil. <laughs> but we're but we're saying but we're saying no. 
I think Vizier's answer is actually great. Okay, no. uh, so that's a great answer. Yep, absolutely. And and opposing counsel will nod and say, uh, you uh, pardon them. Uh, they will rephrase. Do you, in your world where you come from, have something that ends the majority of life and learning in the world on a regular basis? No. Thank you. What experience do any or all of you have in dealing with uh, Earth, with world-destroying cataclysms? What experience do you have? (laughs) Ah, that is a question for your turn. They would appreciate an answer to the question being posed. Uh, Flick will say, while we may not have specific ex- uh, experience in uh, preventing world's end, I think that we can all say that we uh, are capable fighters. Uh, we've proven ourselves in that right. And uh, while we are motivated by this goal, nothing's going to stop us. So no experience in averting world-ending crises. What experience do any or all of you have living in a society that lives under the threat of a world-ending event? I mean, uh, we live in America, so... <laughs> I was like, do you want in the Shimmer Scale tribes? Do you Holy want... hell. I say we spent the last, <laughs> you know, X Shit. amount of time living with the Shimmer Scale tribe underground I mean, as we've well. spent the past two years. Okay, so Bria, you say you've spent the last two years. We spent the last two years, right? Two years? Yeah, two years here. Yes, and, and through different uh, societies here. Uh, they nod. And what... Uh, that is uh, that is true. What experience then do any or all of you have in leading uh, and making decisions for communities or societies that live under threat of extinction? He has no idea about the Shimmerscale tribe, so... Flick will raise his hand and said, I was uh, designated leader of the Shimmerscale tribe for however long we were there. Two years. Opposing counsel, like grabs papers and starts like rustling through papers and says um uh would they uh care to uh to elab- uh, uh terribly sorry forgive them uh would you would you care to tell us who the shimmer scale tribe is oh god yeah <laughs> i would love that this is okay. the book i would love nothing more than to give you the entire story of this podcast right. that's what this and is called i the mean you only flick. have to answer the question which is a group yes. of kobolds that live on it's the surface a group of kobolds that uh, <laughs> i and i'll even bring out the shimmer scale hell we'll bring out the big guns all right all right uh yep so they'll say uh ah they see and um would you tell them a little bit about your time leading the shimmer scale tribe which if you want to know what that was like, go listen to season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, don't, I guess <laughs> some uh, of two. So here, I'll and some of two. Here, I'll just ask: Are there specific things that you either leave out or highlight? No is okay. Is it worth mentioning the threat of the orcs and the um, the fact that we? I think the protection we've we built up the community. We helped the community to establish itself. All of those positive things that we did. Uh, we helped to bring the community, uh, which might actually be a good example of what we can do with this community, uh, into the fold um, exactly with the guardians to give them representation there. Also, after being living there for a while and them having getting to know us and leading the tribes, uh, they were 
excited about the idea of exploring the rest of the world and actively making plans to leave their underground tunnels and explore um, the rest of what the world has to offer. Thank you. That's that's all very interesting. Would you say they shan't lead you in that way? What would you speculate, acknowledging that it is pure speculation, what would you speculate would have happened to the Shimmerscale tribe had you not come to this world? I think that... Decimation? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think that there are, there are other creatures on the Western Island whose intentions were not as uh, well as ours. And while we were living there, they, the Shimmerscale tribe became under threat of an army, which with our fighting expertise and our help, we were able to uh, defeat. I feel that if we were not there to help, that they would have been caught in a very terrible predicament, and I think that their entire culture would have been killed off. And I'll stand up and say, and despite that, the same thing would have happened to them. Even if they were able to get through that, the same thing would have happened to them that we are predicting may happen everywhere without our help, which is that the beast's release from these devils, and there, there's no protection from that when we're saying for anyone above ground or underground. What happened to these uh, less uh, uh, generously-minded uh, individuals that you say set their sights on the Shimmerscale tribe? I'll write on the sheet, some we defeated, but some we were able to come to a sort of truce, right? In in protecting the kobolds, there was a battle, which we helped to protect the kobolds from. And as far as we last knew, um, their societies are no longer currently at battle with one another. And uh, these orcs are back in their society where they came from. Last we knew, that's kind of true. We didn't kill them all. No, we don't it's have true. to you mention didn't kill the them all. We only killed what two, maybe. No, but I, mean, I think we killed we killed some in the beginning, but then we had the truce and just had the battle with the the matriarch and the shaman, right? The important point to drill in here is we yes, uh, we did have to in the battle. We did have God. I hate using the word kill, but yes, we had to. There I were mean, casualties. Yeah, there were as casualties, but as with any war, and it we only the casualties were only those who were actively bent on doing destruction to the society that we were sworn to protect. And any leader would make the same decision. I know what's coming. To your knowledge. Had the Shimmerscale tribe and this tribe of orcs, you say, had they clashed in the past? Yes. Interesting. So, to clarify, it is your opinion, it is your position, that you came to this world and inserted yourselves in a society which you knew very little about, participated in the destruction of a portion of another society based on your value judgments of these two societies and changed the landscape of civilization on the surface again based on your outsider sensitivities does that sound right i mean i was saving this argument for the end but i i, have I feel like we're getting argument. there we got to pull it out at some point yeah. <laughs> you can just repeat it in your ending your closing. yeah on a on a basic level yes that is true we were sent here to this world with limited information. We were sent here at the behest of a god. 
Um, and when we first came here, we thought that what we were doing was good. As you say, we were making our own value judgments. Since we've been here, we've learned a lot. We've grown a lot. We've learned a lot about the society, a lot about the choices that we've made. And at this point, our goal is simply to allow societies to live as they want to live, to live without the threat of another ruler, another person coming in and fundamentally changing the way their society functions. Because we do acknowledge that when we first arrived here, yes, we were part of that problem, but we have grown. And if we continually hold people and people who wish to do good to the standards of what they have done in the past without providing a chance for that growth, that we will never move forward as a society and as a world. I'm going to write on the sheet of paper too, like the decisions that we, well, I'll actually just stand up and say it. How the Shimmer Scale tribe works in general is actually based um, and rooted into uh, their history. And so we could not even, uh, compete to be a leader, uh, within it without knowing their history. And once Flick became the leader, we couldn't make any decisions without knowing the full history of this tribe. So we weren't going into it blindly and it, huh? The council. Yeah. Yeah. We, we created this council and which I'm sure we discussed and all of the other stuff, but we also did not insert ourselves by the way. Yeah. I'll write on a piece of paper. <laughs> We yeah. were asked. He uh, he says, "Excellent, thank you for for those responses." One final question they you have already for said you. Final question. <laughs> I said final line of questioning. This is the final question in the final line of questioning. Uh, they say, "So you will have your opportunity for questions in your closing statement, and in the interest of time, a simple yes or no will suffice for this question." Do you four believe that you know better than a thousand years of scholars how to run this society? I don't want to answer in a yes or no question. <laughs> you don't have to yeah, answer you don't just have yes to. or no. Yeah. That's just what he said. Yeah, you don't have to. Ugh. <laughs> I, I mean, my choice, if, if we're playing this, I, I, my choice was would be to say a yes or no answer does not suffice for that question. Okay. Great. I love that. Gosh, what is he going to say to that? I mean, it was his last question, so. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he nods, he nods and uh, gathers his papers, makes a few notes and has a seat. Is it our time to question now? It is. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. I'm sorry. Yes, it is all your turn to question now. So then I'll stand up and I'll say, do they want the beast, the beast's coming to be done with forever? He will say in a perfect world, yes, that would be something that all peoples anywhere on the world would likely desire. In a practical, to answer practically, it makes no difference to them because they are safe here below from the beast. They have been and will be, and there is no indication to the contrary. And Kit stands up. And explodes. Because she's been flailing her uh, arms. Yes, her head <laughs> explodes into a million pieces. Um, oh, I am so annoyed, but I don't want to go, oh, I, I was going to say, get, get snarky, get snarky. Smack, smack um, him in the closing, too. Because yeah. remember also that anything that, you, that we talk about in this line of questioning, he will be able to respond to in his closing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm But gonna, you all get the last word in closing. I, I am going to hold it. Ooh, God, I hit my microphone. I'm so excited. <laughs> my microphone is falling all over the place. Uh, 
Nope, I'm keeping it to myself. I will, okay. I will hammer it home later. Okay. So any other questions? So then I'll just say, uh, I'll try to be like him with his snarky comments. And uh-huh. then I'll just, I, I can't do it even half as well as you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, listeners, oh he every time that he did it, he would like look down at his uh, paper and like write like pretend to write as he was doing it snarkily. Oh, I was not pretending, but yeah, sure. Um, And then I'll say, so uh, (laughs) I'll go mean girls. Um, So you agree that it would be good for the beast to be gone forever. Great. Uh, Moving on to final arguments. Good one. Uh, I actually have one more question. Sure. What if you're wrong? Uh, He smirks and says, um, they will be honest. The temptation to turn the question back on you is large, but they will refrain. In the event that they are wrong, he sort of thinks for a minute and nods and says, things will go very badly for them if they are wrong. Good. But to use fear and speculation to guide the governing of a society that has run extraordinarily well for a thousand years seems dangerous. Agreed, honestly. (laughs) Isn't that what we've been saying this whole time? (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. No further questions. Yeah, that's fine. That's what we've been saying this whole time. So you agree. Hooray. That it's dangerous to keep everyone in the dark and run it it on fear. Got it. Okay, final questions. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, So is that the end of questioning? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So we, uh, oh, oh, sorry, uh, questions. Uh, if you asked a question or spoke during that section, Charisma Persuasion, please. Did we all the, speak? What just happened? I yeah. Think so. uh, I think so, at least a little bit. You may not have asked a question, but you participated. So Flick. 22. Excellent. Bria? 13. Okay, Bizdira? I'm just getting 18s all over Yes. The all right. And Kit? Uh, eight, which makes okay. sense. My head was sure. exploding. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I love it. All right. Uh, so you all have, your, have a seat. Uh, the opposing council takes a few moments to write a few notes, collect some papers, stands up one final time, moves to the center of the center ring and says it is clear to them that these four individuals are good people they are noble people and they desire the safety of all peoples of this world all laudable unfortunately in their goodness and in their desire to protect They have proclaimed themselves the ultimate arbiters of what is good, what is to be protected, and what is to be destroyed, and how societies should live and be run. It is worth pointing out to them that though all of the ills that the world below has experienced in the past years cannot be attributed to them, to these four. It does seem that all of the woes of the world below can be attributed to outsiders, to those not of this world, to those not of the world below. Their arguments, some are valid, some are bold, some are wrong, but ultimately it cannot be denied that the trouble began when outsiders came. With that in mind, it is very difficult to consider allowing outsiders to remain. They claim, however, that they want to give them a choice. 
that they desire those of them who wish to help to be able to. That the members of a functioning society should have the freedom to choose. But where does that choice end? If society members, if community members have the freedom to choose how to live their lives, what is to say that someone could not choose to endanger the world below, directly or indirectly? The world below, their society has been safe for a millennium. They have said this multiple times throughout these proceedings, but they cannot restate it enough. Their society has been flourishing for a thousand years, and it was not until they were forced to interact with those from the surface and those from other worlds that things began to decline. They believe that because they have come and they have ruled an outside nation, that they have chosen which societies should be allowed to prosper and expand and which should not, that they have come here with knowledge of devils and other worlds, that they should be allowed to dictate how they live their lives in the world below. And it is their simple assertion that they who have lived here for a thousand years know better. Preserving what we have always done has worked in the past, and though times have changed, we have adapted as necessary by small degrees. These outsiders come to overturn our way of life. They hope that you will not allow them to. And he has a seat. I don't want to go after that. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, you went after his last one too, and you crushed it. Yeah, you did but I crush had it. stuff written down that time. This time, I have gobbledygook. <laughs> I had gobbledygook. You'll be fine. Okay. All right. We'll try it. <laughs> Kit stands up. The opposing counsel has made it clear that this is a trial for this society's very way of life. My question for you all is this. What is the most important aspect of your life here? Is it isolationism or is it your democracy? Your right to make your own decisions, make your own choices and have your voice be heard. Be informed of why you're making the decisions you are and how the larger world impacts those decisions. If democracy is the most important aspect of your life, then you must inform your citizens of the history they are living against, the cults we have mentioned, the fear and speculation indeed that outside organizations have used for, again, millennia, Uh, to herald the coming of the beast. Knowledge cannot be hoarded. Isolationism itself must be put to a vote, with everyone being given the full background and all of the information available, and not just the same half-truths that the scholars have decided should be kept from the populace at large. If isolationism is the most important aspect of your society, then you've already failed your democracy. You're putting the ideology of isolationism above all else, and one must conclude that the scholars, that opposing counsel perhaps, that 
the leaders of the society at large are purposefully concealing information in order to ensure that isolationism remains the law of the land, in order to ensure this well-being that that perhaps well-being is in fact a euphemism for keeping folks happy and uninformed of the threats that are coming against their society. The opposing counsel says that your society will be safe if you heed the banner, if you stay silent and out of the larger conflict. And yet, the evidence is already here. The problems of the surface, the heralding of the beast, the evidence is here. I personally have seen creatures made of moss animated by necrotic magics, magics that we have seen overtaking uh, the entire surface of the island above. I've seen cave fishers who have fallen from the ceiling, an unheard of thing, fallen from the ceiling with terrifying brands, brands that we know are connected to these cults that herald the coming of the beast. And the banner. This banner that we've seen, perhaps we don't know who put it down here, but we do know that that banner is working on those very spheres, those very speculations that opposing counsel has warned us against heeding. There are two possibilities here. One, Somebody within this community is so scared of the idea of no longer being isolationist that they are willing to play on everyone's fears to get the result that they want through lies. Ultimately, this works against the main tenets of your society, again, uh, assuming those tenets are democracy, by causing people to vote out of fear rather than fact. The other possibility is that someone has truly infiltrated this society, in which case you all are not safe down here. Even if they, you go along with those demands now, you're just being held hostage by this other group, and you can be blackmailed at any time, which means you're being affected by the politics of the surface one way or the other. The politics of the surface are now the politics of your society. So why wouldn't you support those people who want to defeat that enemy allowing them to live their lives in peace in the means that they want to with as much or as little influence by the surface as each individual in this society wants. The question was posed to us earlier, do we know better than 1,000 years of history? Perhaps not, but the world has changed, and we've seen that in the evidence I've presented, the arguments we've had here, and the discussions that we've posed. Opposing counsel has said that it says that we are dictating how other people should live their lives. But in fact, that describes what he is doing. We are simply asking you to think about what the freedoms you are for, you want for yourselves are. We're asking you to push past this idea that you've had of the way the society has worked and considered this larger evidence, these larger threats and asked yourself, what do you truly want for yourself? And furthermore, I bring you back to this idea of the importance of community over self-interest. Opposing counsel has stated that the community and the needs of the community are being held over self-interest are an important factor of what this society wants. And yet, in his answer about whether or not he cares whether the beast decimates the world above, he said it didn't matter to him. And if that is an evidence of self-interest being put over the needs of the community, I don't know what is. Thank you. All right. 
snappy, snappy. As Kit sits, yeah, truly. Yeah. As Kit sits down, uh, there is a moment of silence, and then in the most horrifyingly unnerving way again, uh, everyone in the room sort of stands, and Octavia nudges you all at the last second to get you to stand. Uh, and everyone in the room in unison says, Let the arguments be done. Let the vote commence. That's where we're going to leave it for this week. Of course it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. Be sure to listen next week to find out what the verdict is. Okay. You can reach out to the TLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at, at DNDLastRefuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. Speaking of reviews, we got yet another one this week. This one ah! is from Stee and Mar. And Stee and Mar say, super good D&D podcast. This podcast is simply amazing. I started listening. Oh, one of my favorite things. I started listening about two months back and have been pouring this story into my brain nonstop. Currently at episode 123 in two months. Well done. Getting into a new audio drama, into new audio dramas, audiobook, or podcast is always a gamble. Are there any, are they any good? Will this story arc unfold nicely? Will they keep coming up with good new ideas? And is this crew having fun and devoted to the game at the same time? Well, all the boxes are ticked on this show. DM Jazzy Hands guides them through with a firm hand (laughs) that keeps the players on track. If he did not do this, it would be a mess. (laughs) Okay, I have to admit I did not read this review ahead of time. This is amazing and I love it. He's a good storyteller and good with voices. Oh, thanks. He also takes a good balance between rule of cool and being stern. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be stern with y'all. The players are each wonderful and make this whole thing complete. There are just so many, uh, too many complimentary things to say about Biz, Kit, Bria, and Flick, which is literally written out in the thing. Thank you guys for a superb show. Greetings from the Netherlands. Thanks, DNMR. That was such an awesome five-paragraph essay on why we're awesome, and I kind of loved it, so thank thank you. Thank you. If you want to get yours read, leave us a review. Also, if you want to talk more with us, you can send us an email at, at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as players, access our Patreon, see some awesome fan art, find out what virtual cons we'll be attending, and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D. You can go to our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com. As always, I want to thank Robert Hupp, my story consultant for this campaign, and of course, all of you for listening. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM jazzy hands and with me i have Vistira, kid bria and flick dum dum oh happy gaming y'all who are the gatekeepers of education here and what is the education i should have read this before i said it <laughs> yeah this, this was not to um, be read word for word maybe go for a take two <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Creatures made of moss, animated by narcoleptic ma- narcoleptic. <laughs> <laughs>